Hey everyone, it's your podcast director here at the Healthcare Experience Foundation, Casey Callanan, and to get you in the spirit for our upcoming Foundations in Compassionate Leadership Certificate Program, I'm super excited to present to you today's Best of the Healthcare Experience Matters podcast featuring compassionate leadership-focused podcast interviews that we've had previously on this show taking snippets from some of the best of these conversations we have first up unlocking the secrets of compassionate leadership in healthcare with katie owens next you'll hear from brooke billingsley we're talking compassionate leadership and the art of being kinder to ourselves after that we'll hear from katie owens again talking an insider's guide to leading with compassion and then dr nita mcgee will round out today's podcast episode with a highlight from her really great podcast, uh, an intro to compassionate leadership. So I will link to all four of those full interviews in the description of today's podcast if you like what you hear. And also, please make sure you mark your calendars for our upcoming two-day virtual session of the Foundation's In Compassionate Leadership Certificate. That program will take place October 26th and 27th at 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern Time. And again, I will include more information on that event in the description of today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Self-compassion is, it's a practice and a habit of treating ourselves as individuals with kindness, care, understanding during difficult times when we're experiencing a, a sense of a personal shortcoming or disappointment. And really in its most simplest form It's extending the same kindness and compassion and empathy towards ourselves that we would offer to a friend who might be struggling or experiencing that same disappointment. My question would be to those listening today, what gets in the way of self-compassion? Our work as as leaders, as individuals, as as healthcare uh, team members can be both extraordinarily rewarding and it can also be stressful, challenging, and emotionally demanding. We encounter on a day-to-day, moment-to-moment basis, high-pressure situations, long hours, and the constant need to care for others while we're caring for ourselves. And many of us struggle to extend that same kindness to ourselves that we would to our friends. And so We've got to really double down on self-kindness, even when it feels like we're most challenging to do so, because self-criticism is ingrained and it's very natural. Barbara Fredrickson, which is a, uh, who is a well-known positive psychologist, says uh, the positive is going to slip off like um, Teflon, but the negativity is going to stick. And so many of us, myself included, can have a high degree of commitment to protect perfection and fear of failure. And it's ingrained in our societal messages to, to be the leader, to be the best that we can be. And at the end of the day, we are human beings taking care of other human beings. And so we lack a, a sense of practice. And so one of the things I love the most about our, our program, and I think this is why um, we have so many ahas from participants is we give really tangible daily habits that we can begin to practice and lead forward with ourselves and start to give permission to our team members to live forward and enculturate self-compassion in our our day-to-day lives at work and at home.
So when I think about self-compassion, one, we think in isolation, right? We think um, this is just me. Um, I'm the one that's that's um, screwing up or made a mistake or or having issues or or we're hard on ourselves. Why am I, you know, why am I not doing better? Um, why didn't I uh, put in a better effort? And so we always think in isolation that it's not um, that it's not happening to anyone else. And one of the components of self-compassion is that we are a part of humanity and humanity is uh, human and the human experiences. We all make mistakes. We all have days where we're not, we're not hundred percent. We're not bringing our best and that it's really crucial to understand that in part of that humanity comes that um, point where you have to have that self-talk with yourself to say, you know, it, I wasn't hundred percent today. I didn't, I didn't get enough rest last night. I'm stressed out over life circumstances, whatever that self-dialogue is, it's not, it's not giving yourself excuses, but it's more about being understanding to yourself, almost a conversation. If Casey, you came to me and said, Hey, look, you know, I, I really feel like I'm screwing up on my job and this went wrong. And, and I say to you, well, what, tell me what's going on in your life. And you tell me all the stressors in your life. I got a new baby. I'm not sleeping at night. Um, you know, I just found out something about my father, all of those things that contribute. And as a friend, I would say to you, okay, Casey, give yourself a break. You know, your expect expectations of yourself are really high um, under normal circumstances. And right now there are things that are going on in your life. That you just need to take a pause and say, it's okay. Um, I'm not a hundred percent. I'm not, I'm not going to be able to perform at the expectation or level that I'm at. And it's, so it's changing that dialogue with yourself. Um, and that's why it becomes so relevant. Because what we talk about all the time in compassionate leadership training is if I'm empty, how am I going to encourage and give to you if I haven't taken care of me? Right. And so it's really kind of a it's it's a reversal of us always taking care of everyone else. And then we become last and really just kind of tell ourselves, you know, it's our fault or or I'll be OK and really not. Um, not being more self-aware to say, no, there's there's more going on right now. And I give myself permission to have this day as a learning experience. And tomorrow's another day. So for healthcare workers struggling with self-compassion, or really anyone who's struggling with this self-compassion and being kind to themselves, why is it important to simply just know you're not alone in dealing with this issue? Well, the more isolated we become, the more I think our narrative and the story that we tell ourselves becomes extreme. And if we can understand, I think it was helpful even during, um, even some are experiencing post-pandemic uh, stress, that we understand that that there were many who experienced it versus what's wrong with me? Why am I not coping? How come I didn't do better? And so once you understand there's a common humanity and you say to yourself, you know what, I this wasn't a good day. I, I'm really struggling here, um, but so are others. And I know tomorrow's the next, the, a new day and I'll start again. And so when we can do that to ourselves, it doesn't defeat us so that we feel almost cut off. It really just um, helps us reset, helps us pause, reset and say, okay, got it. Uh, check. This isn't devastating. It's a blip on the line of my linear life. And I'm going to wake up tomorrow with new approaches, new strategies. That's what I like about the training is that we get real granular in helping you with some strategies and practices that you can do every day um, to help yourself, but also to help in leading. And then what does that look like in an organization? And so it just really kind of helps you reframe and reset to know that we're not alone in it. 
Now let's talk about self-forgiveness. I know mm-hmm. that might be important and tied into our overall discussion today on self-kindness and compassion. Is there anything you want to say about self-forgiveness? Well, it's very interesting because I, I'm not a licensed therapist. I've been in behavioral science for about 25 years and observing um, behaviors. And the interesting part is that we're we will forgive others before we forgive ourselves. And we get locked into uh, a narrative about our past or um, I should have my I, I had a, uh, a, a teacher who was um, a trainer for me for 30 years, who was a mentor. And she used to say, you need to stop shooting on yourself. You know, I should have done that and I should have done this and I should have done that. And we can't I can't replace yesterday. I can't go back and change my past. I can learn from it. Um, I can create strategies that say, you know what, because of the mistakes I made, I'm stronger today, or I know better. Um, But it's a forgiveness of saying I'm human, I made mistakes, but that all led to me led me to where I am today. And that's okay. And I'm okay with that. Um, I think sometimes the perfectionist in us, uh, and I'm one of those type A, like everything in order, would love to be in control of the world um, in my little world. And unfortunately, that's not the case in this world that we live in. So it's just really helped me kind of step back and say, you know what? I did the best I could with what I had at the time. And I can do better tomorrow with more knowledge or more strategies or surrounding myself with a community that will support me and encourage me. Um, and I think that's where self-forgiveness comes into play, just to just to acknowledge that. Okay. Now I want to think a little bit about a scenario talking about a management style where someone is very direct and maybe not showing much compassion. Perhaps it is getting results. Um, but again, it might be a problem. So let's talk about that. What is the importance of leading with compassion? And why is it, you know, why are those alternative maybe leadership styles a little bit of something to watch out for? You know, Casey, I think so many times when you, when some leaders hear the word compassionate leadership, they think, gosh, compassion is a core part of our mission. And many times when we back that up and we, we thread that, we're so focused on compassionate interactions with patients and family members, we skip over the profound importance of being compassionate as leaders to our workforce. There was a really brilliant article done by um, Harvard Business Review in 2021 looking at why do we need to rediscover joy and compassionate work. And the reality is over the last three years in different forms and fashion, we've all experienced kind of four big themes. Sustained, sustained stress and sadness, being inauthentic, especially for leaders, that there was incongruency. I'm not okay, but I'm going to pretend to be okay because I've sort of grown up in this mentality of suck it up buttercup. And the longer that discontinuity occurs for, for ourselves as leaders, the more and more negative or detrimental impact that has to our well-being. We've also seen leaders not playing to our strengths. Think about how many ways your teams have been redeployed, jumping in into patient care, vaccines, check-ins, COVID testing, redeployments, and then perceived and actual social isolation. And we have seen this in so many big ways, even among physicians, where because of social distancing requirements and a, an 
um, for all the right reasons, the inability to get together in person, we've sort of become, you know, very siloed and albeit a bit lonely. And so from a compassionate leadership standpoint, it doesn't absolve us from, you know, our accountability to performance results, but it does mandate us to see and treat people in a way that recognizes their likely needs, wants, and emotions and compels us to acknowledge that those are real and important and it influences our leadership style as as servant leaders is likely the most dominant attribute where compassionate leadership lives. Katie, and I know you're a big reader. I personally enjoy to read as well as I think many of our listeners do. And I'm sure many of our listeners are familiar with the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Stephen Covey's 1989 classic self-help book. So what are some of the habits of compassionate leadership? If you were to write a book on some of the effective habits of you know compassionate leaders, what would be in that book? You know, from our from our own work through the Compassionate Leadership Certificate Program, and Katrina Coleman does this brilliantly during um, her building block on leading with compassion. You know, there's seven big things that we've seen: adaptability, authenticity, balance, which which is at its core is based on acknowledgement of the importance of self compassion, con- the ability to connect and seek collaboration, focus. Um, And and that dedication of the task at hand, humor, and sometimes even a self-deprecating sense of humor and and a tolerance for mistakes. And I think so many times when you hear that in healthcare, we think, gosh, we have to be perfect. And and yes, we are a highly complex systematic environment, which demands a level of commitment to zero harm. And yet we are also highly evolved social creatures and we make mistakes And compassionate leaderships recognize that mistakes are part of the learning journey. So, and I know we talk a lot about non-negotiables when it comes to creating compassion. So what is that and how does it apply to today's conversation? Gosh, non-negotiables have been a cornerstone of our work for many, many years. And when it is applied to compassionate leadership, it elevates our expectations for group and team norms. And these are things that you can't just go into your office, shut the door and on a whiteboard say, these are the new ways we're going to behave to demonstrate compassion. This has to be done in a team-based environment where there is collaboration between a leader and their direct reports or between departments and how we're going to establish our norms for how we're going to work together. And they, they set the stage and they reduce ambiguity to build these always expectations. They're defined expectations. It means that we're gonna be, despite our span of control, maybe you're doing this at an institution level, maybe you're doing this in your own department, but what it does is it says, this is how we're gonna role model compassion in our interactions. And it's a huge source of motivation for change because we start to get that cohesion. I want to ask you about a quote and get your kind of feedback on it. Um, There is a Gandhi quote out there that has him saying, compassion is a muscle that gets stronger with use. What are your thoughts on that? Do you find that to be true? You know, I think that acknowledges we're going to have our good days and we're going to have our bad days. And, you know, Simon Sinek also talks about different, you know, establishing different leadership habits. And he's got a, a great, 
story somewhere around if you go to the gym once, you're not going to see a big difference. If you go to the gym every day for six weeks, you're going to see a difference. If you go to the gym every day for six months to a year, you're going to see a difference. And on that one year, if you miss a day, but you go back the next day, you're going to continue to see that difference. And I think what what your your lead in quote was about is we're going to show up some days and really own it and do our best and be present and narrate our, our caring And then there's going to be the days where we're a little short fused, where maybe we had something going on at home and we just need to call our own pause and walk ourselves back and say, I'm going to do better tomorrow. And I'm going to own the influence that I bring into this space. And why is compassion needed so much right now? So compassion is one of those emotions that often are triggered. But if we don't notice it, we tend to miss the suffering of others. So when we consider this concept and why it's needed right now, even from a mental health standpoint or just in general, I think about the global pandemic and some of the things we're encountering in the world, period. And being attentive makes us have that compassion to where we take actions to relieve that suffering from anybody else. And and for me, that makes a significant difference in providing quality care or just being a human in itself. As a healthcare provider, um, I've always had that sense of compassion and wanting to help others, but that's probably what attracted me to the profession itself. But right now, it's even more important because, again, I'll say that if we miss the opportunity to be compassionate and to feel what others may feel, we we miss that opportunity to make, make that difference and just being able to consider others which leads to ourselves and to the, sometimes as leaders, staff that we manage, we are able to have those positive impact. Being a compassionate leader for me in my role and developing uh, is being supportive and encouraging those staff that I'm responsible for influencing or even leading. I believe that it builds those connections that we need that for me makes my job a little bit easier because I do consider myself a role model to them and being able to consider their well-being and them being successful is part of being a compassionate leader. Part of it is being able to be familiar enough with them. And I do. I know my staff that when something is off base with them, I'm able to kind of identify it and be able to step in. And and sometimes that means just listening and being able to to. I, I, the phrase "meet them where they are" instead of being at that that leader's role, and for me, it builds that trust. And because I am aware, they trust me enough that if something is going on or something is occurring with it with them, even in the workplace or outside, they know that I I'm going to give them that support and I'm going to bring to the table what they may need to help solve that or just ease it up a little bit. And again, I'll say sometimes it's just me listening and, and being attentive and shut my computer down, turning my chair around and looking at them, you know, so that that being able to connect and them visually knowing that I'm able to connect and that I am listening. It that's the, to me a compassionate leader. You hear the words compassion and empathy thrown around a lot. Perhaps they're used interchangeably, maybe incorrectly. So I want to ask you about 
the difference between compassion and empathy and what, what do you think about that? Well, I will honestly tell you when, before I took the compassion leadership uh, certificate, I am one of those individuals who thought they were the same, but I've developed an an entire new sense and being able to, to separate them. I know they're not the same. They're totally different. They're dependent on each other, but they're totally different. Empathy is important. Again, I'll say, don't get me wrong, but empathy helps us develop those human connections. But without compassion, we're just feeling them or feeling whatever is going on. But the compassion part is taking actions. Now, what can I do? What do you need from me? What next step do I need to take to make this better if I can make it better? And it helps us to lead to understanding of just taking those deliberate actions to be empathetic, but compassionate at the same time. Empathy by itself can offer where we're more impulsive and we react and we're not genuine sometimes with the actions that we're taking. As a leader, we're able to recognize the differences and that in itself for me, engage and and inspires the people that we're leading. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Healthcare Experience Matters. Healthcare Experience Matters is brought to you by the Healthcare Experience Foundation. To learn more, please visit healthcareexperience.org. That's healthcareexperience.org.